Hello, and welcome to The Becoming Podcast with your host, Anne Fancy, that's me. Today, we'll be coming together to discuss the challenges we face as humans in the season of resolution, and really this opportunity to become who you are intending to be, and some of the big missing points that happen, the big pieces that get left out of this unfolding. Look forward to the future here, where we'll be having conversations with others who've been on this journey of becoming their truest self, who found a meaningful, connected, and successful life. We'll get to listen to their highs, lows, stories of unfolding, which I think are so great at helping inspire each of us to honor our own path, where we're going, where we've been, and how to do the hard work of getting to what's next. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Subscribe, please, and share widely. Today, we're going to talk about um, the recognition that your soul's compass, your internal compass, is not broken. Um, I read recently a book called Into the Magic Shop, and the conversation is um, led by a neurosurgeon who met a woman when he was young, um, around 12 years old, who taught him the basics of what we would now call meditation and visualization. And through these conversations, the summer he spent with this woman named Ruth, he unlocked the magic that we would now call manifesting. But he missed one important lesson, and that was the lesson that we as humans, in order to manifest something that will then ultimately create um, satisfaction and contentment, contentment. it must come from the space of the inspired heart or the heart's compass, as he discusses in that book. And this really um, struck me as such important information, especially this time of year when we're doing resolution setting, right? I mean, personally, I've given up on that a long time ago, um, just as I've given up on any sort of eating plan that required counting anything, calories, fat grams, points, Um, not to say that those programs don't work. I think we can all agree the basics are simple. Eat real food, eat lots of plants and vegetables, drink water, move your body. But the missing piece, the missing piece is that many of these resolutions, whether it's to get healthier, to start exercising more, to um, tidy up, because that's very popular right now, um, to stop spending so much at Target to um, finding your perfect mate. Like all of these things that people typically manifest or, or work to intend to resolve to do this time of year involve a lot of noise from the outside, right? Like would you really care if you were, you know, one size less if there wasn't so much noise and pressure from the world? And Ultimately, the question I always go back to is, does this really matter to me? Is this going to be the thing that makes me feel alive and connected and um, worthy? Is this worth my energy and my time? And if the answer is no, then I've decided to stop doing those things. You know, if you're talking about your health because your health is at risk or you're facing some health challenges and you're trying to get back to wellness and you're making choices because you are grateful for your human form and you want to honor it and you're trying to be more loving towards it and by being more loving towards your body, you're choosing healthier foods, totally different conversation. 
But how many of us have gone into the gym or to a yoga class or spin or whatever it is, hit, um, because it's punishment, because we're punishing ourselves for eating too much crap over the holidays, too much crap the last two decades, um, too much fried food, too much late night snacking, whatever the thing is, right? Um, too much inactivity. We go into these workouts as punishment, right? I mean, people check their fitness watches obsessively, especially like when they first became popular. They'd be comparing how many calories they burned in my class versus somebody else's class. And, you know, it's mind boggling to me. Like, you're not effing coming to yoga to burn calories to prove to yourself that you can then eat the chocolate cake. If you want the gosh dang chocolate cake, eat it. Eat the cake. And love yourself while you're doing it. And love on that cake. And tell it how delicious it is and appreciate it. You know? It's, I just can't, I can't get behind this, right? So if you come to yoga or whatever and your, your primary goal or even your subtle goal is that you are feeling guilty or ashamed of your body or guilty about your choices, you're not going to get your desired outcome. You might lose weight. You might tone up. But it's not going to feel... Um, meaningful or fulfilling in the end because it's you're coming at it from this just absolutely this negative point of view. Uh, I love to listen to podcasts. That's one of my favorite things to do in my um, time when my daughter's at school or just when I'm doing errands. I love filling my brain with ideas and really thinking about things. And I recently was listening to an interview of Sandra Ingerman, who's a well-known shaman. In fact, some of my favorite spiritual teachers in the world have been trained by her. And the one thing that struck me the most, what she said was, every thought is an incantation. And what that means to me, right, incantations are like, what witches do, right? Your spells you're sending out. But we know, science tells us that our bodies are these like electrical fields of energy. Our thoughts are electrical impulses. And that every thought you're having is an incantation. That holds a lot of power, right? That holds so much power to think about it that way. Because if you are thinking negative thoughts about yourself, if you are punishing, berating, guilting, shaming yourself all the time in your own mind, if you're constantly repeating your unworthiness or telling yourself how fat you are, or how ugly you are, how uncoordinated you are, what a slob you are, how disorganized you are, right? Over and over and over again, that is magic of the wrong kind that you're putting out into the universe. And the, the world, the energetic world is going to respond by fulfilling that story back to you or playing that story back to you as a truth, right? If you're calling those things in, you're going to see then that that becomes your truth, right? So you will only see the things that then verify the faulty beliefs you hold, Right? How often have you told your spouse or somebody you love how great they are, how wonderful they are, how pretty they are, how much you value them or whatever, or that you think something you know, is a skill or talent that they should pursue and they cannot hear you. And then they hear it from someone else and suddenly it starts to wake up. Right? What we're trying to do for ourselves is say the things that we 
hopefully deeply somewhere in the depth of your being know to be true the good things and then by putting that out there start to hear those good things coming back to us start to see yourself reflected as someone who is worthy who is love who um, can manifest whatever it is that's in your soul's desire but if again this this information this this life you're seeking is coming from your brain or who the world has told you you should be or what it means to be successful based on the outside world, you're going to find that once you've achieved that, we see this over and over again in celebrities, once they achieve that thing that they thought they needed to have and they've proven themselves time and time again to be successful and abundant and still their life is hollow. And still, they're, they're deciding to no longer choose to be in this human form because they have everything. I'm not saying it's as simple as that. Not at all. And mental illness is, like, obviously such a huge thing we need to be tackling. But I think that part of this problem, this epidemic, is that we are disconnected from our heart's desire, our soul's purpose. We are listening to the noise of the world. We are numbing constantly in a thousand ways. And then from that space, we feel hollow and empty. And even if you achieve what you think you were supposed to achieve, you get there and realize you're still miserable, right? My greatest um, teacher with all of this for myself has been obsession with body image. I have come a long way and I don't fixate on that at all the way that I used to. I'm not going to pretend there aren't days that I'm thinking, man, probably shouldn't have eaten all of the cookies or um, probably should have gone to yoga a few times, both for body and mind, right? I'm not pretending I've got it perfect, but I'm not constantly giving my energy away anymore to worrying about it. But what the greatest teaching moment in that for me has been is that I can look at the times that my body was a size zero or a two and I was pretty much starving, starving myself. My diet had become so limited. I was controlling everything I ate. Um, I also turned yellow at points because I was, you know, vegan and gluten-free and this and that. And I'm not saying those are bad things, but for me, I certainly was not doing it right and I'm not sure it's the best fit for me. And by saying that, I don't need your feedback about veganism. I think it's great. Choose your path, right? Okay, back up. All right, so what I am saying is that I've been so tiny as a zero and a two, and I've been up to a size 12 or a 14. And the thing is, either way, when I looked in the mirror, I saw a flawed body because that was my self-perception. That was the faulty belief I'd learned, and... That was really what I was doing to try to control the world and believe um, and continue the lie that I was unworthy. But neither way, it didn't matter which side of the scale I was on, I was unhappy. I was ultimately unhappy and giving my energy away to this thing that never effing mattered. And at some point, I think just before I decided to, to become a mother, I started to shift towards not caring as much. And once I started to shift towards not caring, um, my body regulated a lot easier. Once I trusted myself, that's really what it was for me. Once it came from a place of trust and self-love, um, I, I changed. It started to change for me. And becoming a mother and loving something so much, and even more than that, the appreciation for the profound experience and gift of being able to carry and create a life was the... Th- 
I don't even have words. It was the thing that shifted it the most for me because I suddenly realized, one, my body was beautiful and capable and the profound experience of holding another soul in your body. And if you have not had that gift and if you're struggling to get there, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound, but for me, it was the thing that created such a huge shift. And on top of that, even more than that, if you have the gift of being a parent, for me also choosing consciously that I did not want to pass on to my daughter this distraction of weight and body image because all it did was suck my energy for years. This will not be the last time you'll hear me talking about that because I always say if I could just pull back and get back even a quarter of that energy and a quarter of the money I put into trying to get my body a certain way so then I could feel worthy to do the next thing, right? Perhaps I shouldn't be a teacher because a yoga teacher because then, um, you know, my body wasn't right for that. I didn't look like a typical yoga teacher, certainly not when I first started teaching yoga over 13 years ago. I was way curvier than any of the yoga teachers I had met up till then. And I guess what my point is here is that what I'm asking you to look at is the ways that you've distracted and numbed yourself. For me, that was the biggest suck of my energy and my time. I'm asking you to look at how what you're doing now in your life that's taken away from energy that you could be contributing back to your own being. And even better than that, once you contribute back to your own being, you can contribute to the world in a more positive and fruitful way. And if what you're creating or wishing to create is coming from your ego, from your head, from your brain, from your cerebral mind, what I can promise you is that when you get there, wherever there is, you will find that the measuring stick has just moved. The finish line has moved because you're still not contented and happy. But if you can choose to do the work of looking into your heart, your soul, your gut, call it whatever you want, and look for guidance that comes from that quiet place within or that constant, dull nagging that you know you are to be doing something else. Now, here's some interesting stuff. If you've ever heard of heart math, I'm completely fascinated and admittedly only know a little bit. But heart math is this uh, conversation that the heart has its own sensing feeling system, um, that it has its own nervous system. And on top of that, not only does it have its own nervous system separate from that of the brain, the heart actually has the ability and has and, and often does sense things before the brain and then informs the brain on what's next and how to act. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I know that. I think we know that like in a, in a uh, soul way, in an intuitive way. But to know that in an actual science way is pretty powerful. There's a scientific study done by the HeartMath group and maybe repeated by others, I'm not sure, where they um, show images to people on screens. And the images are selected randomly. Um, and if, if you're in my yoga class, I've talked about this before, but the images are selected randomly and the people sit there and they have sensors all over and they check for um, heightened 
arousal, right? So they have this, this, I think it's called a galvanic skin test that's on your skin. They check if the eyes are dilating, um, pulse rate, things of that nature. And what they are doing is every six seconds, they have a different image pop up on the screen. And what's fascinating is that there are two kinds of images that create an arousal response. You can probably guess them. One is something scary or, you know, disturbing. And the other is something sexual in nature. Well, what's fascinating about this is in that six seconds between photos, in a second and a half in, I believe, the heart would sense it first and become aroused first. Then another second and a half would go by and the brain would react. And then another second and a half or three seconds, I don't know the exact timing, but before the image was popped on the screen, the whole body would know ahead of time that it was going to be an arousing image. And the information came from the heart. Now this might sound like hogwash to you, one of my favorite words to use about this type of thing, um, but you can check out the studies yourself. You can look at the information. And we've all heard of things like mom, a mother having an instinct, twins knowing when the other twin is um, in harm's way or is struggling. Um, we've all had a sense that when you've gotten near someone that they were hurting or that they were um, heartbroken, all of that information that non-localized information comes from the intuitive sense of the heart. Um, sure, some of this information comes from your brain and you look for patterns and you're looking for cues from the face and things like that. But if it's, if it's the experience of knowing something when you're not looking for all of those cues coming into your brain, that's a different thing. And what heart math is suggesting is that what we need is greater coherence between our heart and our brain. And that means that what I call deep alignment, right? That's what I call deep alignment. That is your life in deep alignment with the call of your heart and your soul, the compass of your heart. And maybe you think that your heart is broken um, or your compass is broken. Maybe your heart is broken and your compass therefore feels broken. And I totally can get that too. But the thing is that's so interesting is that so much of what you'll read in the metaphysical, the spiritual, the people, the stories of overcoming is that in the magic of a broken heart lives the opportunity to be born again into purpose and light and intention. That from the greatest traumas and tragedies and struggles is born information that guides you back to yourself and when you find your way back to yourself, you can then find your way to your light and your contribution, right? The magic is often in the midst of that brokenness. Your greatest growth has come when you've felt heartbroken, which is like this vulnerability opening up and that you are in that space that sometimes you have no choice but to be quiet with the own, your own, the own, uh, what, how do I want to say this, the noise within yourself, it's, it's a pretty incredible space to be in. It doesn't feel incredible in the sense of this is amazing. But when you look back at your life, I bet you can see those moments that felt like heartbreak that led to your biggest breakthroughs. I know that in the midst of those things, it never feels like that. So all in all, what I'm getting at here is that we're working to move our intentions out of our head in the cerebral context into the space of the heart. And that if you can take your intentions and expand into inspired 
loving space, that your intentions, your resolutions will become more meaningful. Your life will become more meaningful. Your feeling of contentment will be easier to hold on to. And it's not easy work, right? My first um, podcast here was about this idea of doing the work. And if you are starting to recognize that you're led often by the busyness in your mind and the pressure and noise of the world, this is just an invitation to start to make the shift back into honoring and recognizing the truth of your heart. Because all those achievements stacked up will never be equal to what it feels like to be living in a space that feels deeply aligned with who you are and who you're, who you're meant to be. And it takes a lot of deconditioning, stripping away, letting go, checking in with your stories and your faulty beliefs and the bullshit you've believed and the lines you've been told your whole life about who you are and what you're capable of. All of that has to be stripped away, and I think we like the noise because the noise is just part of the numbing, right? I mean, how many of us literally pick up our phones a thousand times a day? I would even venture to guess that if you're having an uncomfortable impulse, right, why not pick my phone up and check out what my third grade best friend from, you know, 20 years ago is eating for dinner? That's a great way for me to use my time and distract myself from the discomfort of recognizing that perhaps there's more to this thing called life, that perhaps there's some unraveling I need to do on my life and of my life and on my life and on my stuff, my issues, my shit that's been holding me back. And maybe your numbing isn't your cell phone. Maybe you've taken your apps off. But we can all find a million ways, and a lot of them are very socially acceptable. Exercise is a great way that people um, pretend that they're doing something powerful and life-affirming when really it's just another form of punishment. So once you work on recognizing that perhaps you're out of alignment and that you feel um, an incoherence between your heart and your mind, it's then time to just unpack, unpack what's, what's in your way and recognize that what we're trying to switch between is extrinsic motivation, the motivation that comes from the world outside of us, to intrinsic motivation that comes from a place of love. And that is a big, big switch. And sometimes we're really comfortable where we've been. But I'd also, if you're just feeling totally unclear on what this might even look like for you, start making choices based on what makes you feel expanded, big, energetic, open, Versus things that make you feel contracted, right? You can think about that as easily as somebody asks you a favor at work or the PTA asks you to volunteer for another thing at school and you're feeling completely overwhelmed already with your load, your workload, your life load, and you can feel yourself contract when you're asked because the instinct is no. But instead of saying no, you say, sure, no problem. Right? And you can even hear it in your own tone that in that sure is a built-in no. So we're looking for those things, those moments, those activities in our life, in your life, that make you feel expanded. Is it reading a book? Is it listening to music? Is it taking a quiet walk? Is it hiking in nature? Is it sewing? Is it drawing? 
what is it before you were told you shouldn't or that it's what you would do with leisure time and that you've got too much, too many other important things to do? What makes you feel expanded and alive? Because that energy contributes back to the world as the good. We don't all have to be the next Oprah. You don't have to be the next, um, you know, altruistic, philanthropic creator of some huge nonprofit organization in order to, to contribute good. You simply have to be willing to show up fully as yourself with your gifts and talents intact and the compass of your heart in the direction of north. That's it, right? That's that, your true north. It's that simple. So my challenge to you is to start to do this work. My challenge to you is to check in and check to see if your resolutions and intentions are shallow, if your life feels shallow, and ask yourself what you can do to then create a more meaningful, connected, loving experience. I hope this is helpful. I'm never going to pretend that I've got it all going on, but I know that my own experience with anxiety and depression has shifted greatly when I've stopped giving my energy and power away to things that never mattered, things that were so outside focused, and that the more and more I connect with the things I know I'm meant to be doing, the less I have to face those challenges of sadness and anxiety. I now use them as part of my compass, my informational system that allows me to know when I'm headed in the right direction and when I'm headed in the less than optimal direction. Because my anxiety will rear up when I'm either not doing something I know I need to do or if I'm starting to step into something that doesn't feel connected to my authenticity, to who I'm meant to be and to what I'm meant to do. I wish you courage and bravery as you start to do this work. I wish you the willingness to sit with yourself maybe start a meditation practice. I'm now a meditation evangelist, and I think all humans should find a way to do it. It is life-changing. I dare you to do simple things like take a walk without music, ride in your car without music, read a book at night instead of listening to the television or watching another Netflix series. I challenge you to just find some space so that you can quiet the thinking mind for a moment or two and listen to the whispers of your heart. Thanks, you guys. Have a beautiful day. Again, please subscribe and listen and uh, share wild, widely. I appreciate you. I hope you are able to step in to your own power. We need you. Thanks.